0: Welcome to the UOTA podcast. Our guest speaker today is Courtney Roberts, talking to us about the Interstate Licensure Compact. She says that she enjoys this position as she empowers the OT staff to provide the best patient care possible. Before we get started, I'd like to give you some background information about Courtney. Courtney. She graduated from the Salt Lake Community College OTA program in 2010 and has spent most of her career working in skilled nursing facilities as she loves the geriatric population. She currently works as a compliance manager for a contract rehab company that serves several western states. She is responsible for training, get this, over 500 of their therapy employees and perform at the top of their practice. In July of this year, she joined the UOTA board as the member at large and also serves on the Government Affairs Committee as a representative of the Interstate Licensure Compact. She's been a huge support and encouragement for me in getting this podcast started, and I'm so grateful to have her on the show and think that you will really enjoy the great insights that she has about the Interstate Licensure Compact. Let's get started. I'm still waiting for some other, they, they're
1: publishing a website that's not quite finished yet that I would really like to direct everybody to, but it's not, it's under construction. And it's not helpful right now. So um, I would just say, keep an eye out on your email, look at the Facebook and the UOTA website.
0: Hey, Courtney. How
1: are you? Hi, I'm doing just fine. How are you doing?
0: I'm doing well. Let's just dive right in. Explain to me what is the Interstate Licensure Compact?
1: Sure, of course. So there's all kinds of compact that they make for this type of thing. So you might have heard that physical therapy has, they already have a working Interstate License Compact. And Speech Pathology recently was approved to start this same journey. So Utah last year had already um, joined the effort for SLP for the interstate compact. So basically what it is, is it allows practitioners to basically, instead of holding two separate licenses in two separate states, it allows them to have one privilege license that allows them to practice across state lines Um, that's kind of it in a nutshell, so that you can practice, say, in Utah and then also in Wyoming without having to hold two different licenses.
0: And how did you get involved with the Interstate Licensure Compact as far as being on UOTA?
1: Okay, so UOTA has Government Affairs Committee, right? So Government Affairs gets their hands in all kinds of pies. So they're doing things for mental health, they're working on pediatric initiatives, and I needed to listen in on the annual meeting, I think, which was in June of this year, and I had reached out to the board about who's on top of this interstate comp. and much to my detriment, I was asked to spearhead this effort because no one was actually really following it. No one was really dedicated to figuring out what was going on with this in Utah, and like, what was the UOTA's kind of position for this? So um, just because I had asked the question, <laughs> I had been volunteered, kind of spearhead this effort. And that's okay with me because in my nine to five, I work in a contract rehab. And so I'm in lots of different states. The company that I work for, we operate in a ton of different states. And this
0: is kind of... And what exactly is your role on the UOTA working with the Interstate Licensure Company.
1: Okay, so I serve in two different capacities with the board, with the UOTA, excuse me. I am the member at large. I was appointed to be the member at large on the executive board by Brenda Lyman, who is our UOTA president. I decided to fulfill that role, which um, actually comes with uh, a lot of different responsibilities, but then also because I had inquired about the interstate compact, I'm, I serve on the government affairs committee. So I, like I said, I spearhead this effort for interstate license compact, but then, you know, I also kind of, am involved with some other things on the government affairs. So what that really means is that I am the person that I'm, I'm talking with. So the, the interstate compact was written up by i think it's you know aota and nbcot they joined forces to start drafting the language for this and um what what i've done since i kind of came on board here is i have been talking with them as well as our other reps from uota you know the president and the government affairs chair david we have been talking with them to try and figure out what are the next steps for utah and how do we How do we get information out to our members about what this compact is and what's going to happen in the future? So I'm, I'm kind of in charge of that effort in a nutshell. Just, just to kind of give you an idea what's happened is they created some draft language, which was kind of a preliminary language that um, they had for open comment. And that, that now is, is done and they are drafting a final language to take to our legislative session in, in January, 2021. So UOTA has an interest in um, just kind of getting this information to the members so that the members know what it is, because likely with the efforts of AOTA and the centers for interstate compacts, which is like a national government sanctioned center. I don't know what else to call it. It's Mm -hmm. just like a, they're sponsoring this. They are, Mm -hmm. they're writing all the language, And so it's going to go to the legislature in in the spring. And so we kind of just need our members to know what it is before it gets there and gets passed.
0: Okay, will members be able to have a say in whether it gets passed or not? Um, Of course.
1: Of course, members can uh, make comments if they would like to. Uh, We Yeah, we're open to that. But the comment period before for the draft and everything is closed on an official level. But of course, yeah, we'll, we'll take comments from the membership. Of, absolutely.
0: Okay. So I know you said physical therapy has an interstate compact. Um, why did the AOTA decide to to draft this? What do they see as being beneficial with having an interstate compact?
1: Well, so I think a big thing, there's a couple of main things. The big thing is um, it really will help ease the burden for people serving in a rural community, people that live in communities like right on a state line or on a state border. And uh, military families especially will benefit from this because military families often, if your spouse or your significant other or or whatever the situation may be, or even yourself, I guess, if you're an OT practitioner in that capacity, you're moving every two to three years. And so if you move to a new state, that means you have to establish membership um, or excuse me, licensure in, a, in the new state where you're living. And then that means you have to fulfill all the continuing education requirements and you have to pay the fines associated with that state's licensure. And um, they're trying to ease the burden for that. And then as far as the rural communities and, and border uh, communities are concerned, It's all about getting the services to the clients that need it. You know, if you're in a rural community like that, the best way to access those services might be via telehealth, and it might be from an OT practitioner just across the border in a neighboring state. We want all of the clients that benefit from our services to have access to those services. And so creating this compact really kind of helps minimize some of those barriers to getting those services. So that's kind of why they decided to go forward with this. Okay.
0: And when I think of like the interstate compact, I think of traveling OTs and yeah. them benefiting most, but the the rural communities as well as military were things that I hadn't thought of before. So with you saying that people in rural communities would be able to get telehealth with an occupational therapist. Just across the border. Why would they choose to do telehealth for with an occupational therapist across the border as opposed to someone within their state.
1: Well, that's a good point. And it doesn't necessarily have to be telehealth. I mean, like you said, I really like what you said about the traveling therapist. So say, say you're a traveling therapist and that means that you're traveling let's just take the four corners area for example say you're living in Arizona and you want to travel up to a clinic and see some patients up in in Utah and blanding um, just across the border or or you want to travel to New Mexico and see some patients there so that's a, that's a really good point actually that that you would be able to practice if you had that license your privilege to go and perform even in-person services to those people in rural communities. Or if you work for a couple of school systems or um, nursing facilities or hospitals and you could travel that way. Um, you wouldn't necessarily have to choose an agency that was out of state to provide telehealth services, but you know, maybe, maybe that's what would the only availability that you had at the time. Um, It just really depends. And as we go into the future, you know, telehealth is the future. So there might be, you know, more services provided that way, even in the next five years. And those those services Mm -hmm. might be interstate.
0: Okay, could you see initially doing an assessment for someone in a rural community that lives just across the border and then the continuing treatment? Just via telehealth?
1: Sure. I mean, I, who even knows? I mean, that seems like a, a model that might happen in the future. You know, they're calling it a hybrid model where you have some services, you'll have one episode of care and some of the, some of the treatment sessions might be via telehealth and then some of them might be in person. So say you might see someone every other week once you see them in person and then the next time you see them via telehealth, it just really depends on the needs of the client. And it would just be great that our clients have the option, wouldn't have the increased burden of carrying all those different state licenses in order to make it, um, You know, they need to be in compliance with those rules and regulations. So that really just makes it easy on the practitioner providing the services and for the clients receiving the services.
0: So it sounds to me like pretty good deal. But of course, there are always drawbacks.
1: Of course, there are going to be some drawbacks. And and the idea is that this is going to take away from local therapists providing that treatment, you know, and I think that that would be I, I don't know how big of a problem that's going to be, honestly. But yeah, of course, there's going to be drawbacks. And then there's always the issue of how expensive is it? How expensive is all of this? Is, is there going to be an added cost to buy into the privilege? And I, I don't really have the answer to all that right now because it's not finalized. Nothing is set in stone. So kind of what happens with this is that this is all just a preliminary stage. This doesn't take effect until 10 states decide that they want to pass this type of legislation in their state so you have to have 10 states on board before this even becomes a functioning interstate compact and so even then only those 10 states that decide to to do this enact laws like this those would be the only states that would honor this kind of a compact so you wouldn't just automatically be able to use this utilize this privilege in every state that only the states that decide to opt in honor this this compact.
0: And with the states that are opting to be into the compact, how would that change the state's practice act? How would that impact everything? That's
1: a fantastic question. So So, yeah, I mean, because every state's going to have different rules for licensure. Like, uh, for example, some states require that you have a special certification for providing modalities. Everybody has different rules about supervision and documentation. So, yeah, that's a really amazing question. Every state still holds the power to make all of those practice act rules and enforce them, I guess and police their own, you know, people that hold licenses in their state. Say, Vanessa, you hold a license here in Utah. You, mm-hmm. you want to join into the compact and and obtain privilege to practice in Wyoming, okay, just for theoretical sake. So what what you have to do is you would have to look and see kind of what the rules and regulations to having a license as an OT practitioner in Wyoming. You'd have to look at those and, and make sure that you're abiding by those laws. Because when you go to Wyoming to provide the services, you still have to follow the rules for Wyoming. Um, the only difference would be is that you didn't have to pay an extra fee to to get that license in Wyoming. You don't have to jump through all the hoops that are required. now. The only thing that would be um, required is if they had a jurisprudence, like an exam or something. You would have to do that to obtain the license, but you don't have to um, follow all of the laws regarding continuing education and 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 submit all of that for auditing and renewal. All you have to do is you have you hold a license in your home state. Utah is your home state, and as long as you hold a license here that is in good standing, you don't have any um actionable offenses against your license and as long as you're in good standing with you know your continuing nation, your continuing education um requirements here under your license in utah and and you opt into that compact privilege and it's honored by the state of wyoming you can go up there and you can provide services and follow the laws and regulations of wyoming without any other extra hoops to jump through that's really that's really how it's supposed to work we'll probably be sending out some information to the members via email probably on the website you know on the Facebook and everywhere that we can post things we will that show you know give a little bit of a snapshot about how this is supposed to work and really how they would like it to work but this is all so preliminary that we don't really know exactly everything that's going to happen. Now, if that's, if it's a perfect world, that's what would happen with that is that it would just be a, an extra privilege that you could opt into if you decided to. And so that being said, you don't have to have this. Just because you say you you live in Utah and you never think you're going to move, you never want to have another license in another state. That's fine. You just hold the one license. You don't have to have this. Just because our state has the option to have it doesn't mean you're required to opt in.
0: Do you see it increasing current fees for getting just a regular license?
1: Oh, because yeah. The- I mean, I I don't I don't have the answer for that. I hate, to, I hate to answer that because I, I don't really know. I don't exactly know how the fee schedule will... I would imagine that there would probably be two separate um, options and that maybe they would have a, a cost difference, but I actually don't know for certain.
0: Okay. Well, that sounds great. I think you answered pretty much all of the questions that I... Including the one about continuing competence requirements. So you would only have to do the continuing competence requirements for your home state. Am I understanding that right? Absolutely right.
1: So it's, it's just like maintaining your license like you do now, you know, you just, okay. You you apply for a license and you know what the, what the requirements are for it. And you, you continue to fulfill those requirements for your home state. And as long as you don't have any actionable offenses or anything that gets reported, or, you know, as long as you're compliant with all of that, you will, and then as long as you're compliant with, if you are practicing across into a, into a privileged state, you know, you have to follow their rules too. So they, you know, they have the power to report your license. If they find that you're doing something, um, you know, unethical or, you know, out of compliance and in, in a neighboring state, they can report you too. But as long as you follow the rules of your licensure in your home state, then yeah, you're, you're good to go.
0: And if this gets approved for Utah, do you know when, all of this would start to take effect?
1: I mean, so like I said, the legislative session begins in January, 2021. And I believe it goes until March. So the AOTA and the Centers for Interstate Compacts, they kind of join forces and, and they do have some vested interest in getting this passed here in Utah. And so they have hired some people to help them with that effort and they'll get some of our lawmakers on board. And then, yeah, I mean, after it passes, I think it's kind of like what happened with the SLP Interstate Compact last year is that they were able to get six states on board for that and last year's session. And they need 10 states in order for it to be a functioning interstate compact. And so I think SLP is still waiting on states to join. And so I don't really know. So if if our legislator decides... Or, you know, if our if our state legislature decides to put this into law, then we would have to see how many other states jump on board because we might have to wait a while for 10 states or more to to join this effort before it's actually a functioning compact. So so I don't know. I don't know if it will be this year. I don't know if it'll be five years. I'm not really quite sure. Just kind of depends
0: on what states join and whatnot. Yeah,
1: you have some states, I think for physical therapy, they have, and don't quote me on this, but I believe they have about 28 or 30 states that have joined their interstate compact. So they, they have not all 50 states want to be a part of this. Um, I know historically Uh, states like California want to maintain autonomy over their licensure they don't they don't like this type of legislation and I don't know if they will ever be supportive of it but states like ours that tend to be have a little bit more rural communities and um, you know we have some a lot of clientele that live in those rural places that could use the services Utah is one of those states that just our lawmakers really like this kind of thing and they want to buy in. So Utah historically has favored a, a lot of different types of um, interstate compacts in the past. That's why, that's why AOTA and, and these people on the national level have come to us in the, in the UOTA to get this kind of grassroots effort going ahead of the game because they know uh, that in all likelihood our lawmakers are going to be favorable and they're going to want to pass this kind of a law. But yeah, I, I don't really know how long it's going to take for 10 states to jump on board. We'll just have to see.
0: Well, that sounds great. Is there anything else that we haven't covered today that you think is important for people to know about the Interstate Licensure Compact? Yes.
1: So in November, the UOTA is going to have our virtual conference, our annual conference. And part of that is we're going to have some of these people that have been working on the draft from AOTA and NBCOT give this information to the members. And I would really, I mean, and they are going to be able to speak to it on a much more eloquent and sophisticated level than I can. (laughs) So I would really encourage the members to register for that conference. And not only gain all the information from all the other breakout sessions and keynote speakers from it, but to have the opportunity to actually hear it from the horse's mouth, you know, hear it from the men that have helped to write this language and create this collaborative effort to get this off the ground, you know, so I would direct anyone to that conference in November. And then also, like I said, we'll be releasing some information so that, you know, members can also read over some of that stuff. And and I'm happy to answer any questions in the meantime, but take a minute and look over the courses that are going to be offered during the conference and come and listen to those guys talk about it firsthand.
0: Okay, great. We're sending out information from the UOTA about the Interstate Compact. Is that through email?
1: Yeah, so it's not really been decided quite yet. I, the the AOTA and NBCCOT representatives that I've been in communication with, they have provided some materials that I think we could we could share with our membership um, on the website, over email, or over Facebook. But for more information, just within the next couple of weeks or a month or so.
0: Okay, that sounds great. Well, thank you so much, Courtney. That's all for today. Thanks for listening. My name's Vanessa Russell, and I'll catch you next time on the UOTA podcast.